It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to The World in 10, your daily update on the biggest stories from around the world as seen through the eyes of the Times of London. I'm Laura Cook. And I'm Amy Gill. Today on the podcast, we bring you the latest from Israel and the West Bank after two suspected terror attacks in 24 hours, and a behind-the-scenes look at how Ukraine planned a secret attempt to retake the Zaporizhia nuclear plant. We start in Tel Aviv. And the shocking images you might have seen coming out as Israeli officials say an Italian tourist has been killed, five other people injured too, after a car rammed into pedestrians. We were right across the street. Yeah, right across the street, maybe 100 metres over. And, and what did you see? How do you... What are... We car? heard... We, we heard, heard gunfire. We saw shots and then we saw people sprinting across the street. And then we heard sirens and we decided it was time to get out of here. People there in the city who saw what happened. It comes just hours after two sisters, who held British passports, were killed in the West Bank. Writing in the Times today, Anshel Pfeiffer explains what happened in the first attack. They were on their way to a hike in northern Israel. Uh, their mother was driving the car. The two sisters, aged 16 and 20, were, were the passengers and the, a car overtook them. Someone in the car fired in the overtaking car, fired the Kalashnikov assault rifle at their car. They were forced off the road. The shooting continued. The two sisters were killed and the mother is now in critical condition. Now, Israeli intelligence believes the attack was carried out by members of a Palestinian militant group. We then cut forward a few hours where, on Friday morning... Police say a car rammed into a number of foreign tourists standing outside a petrol station near the beach. Uh, We know a 30-year-old Italian man was critically wounded and died on the way to hospital. Three British tourists were among five others wounded. And the driver of the car, who's been identified as an Arab-Israeli man, was shot and killed by security officers. Now, Ansha writes in the article, which you can read online, that the attack happened just hours after the Israeli Air Force carried out strikes in Gaza and southern Lebanon on Thursday night. That followed rocket launches by militants against Israeli towns. Tensions are growing as religious festivals coincide this weekend, and Ansha explains there are concerns more attacks could happen. The trend doesn't look very encouraging right now. This is a 
a very rare coincidence of the three main festivals of Passover, the Jewish Passover, the months of Ramadan and Easter. And the different groups here, uh, different militant groups who don't really want people to enjoy those festivals too much. Now you can read more on this and keep up to date with events as they unfold in the Times online. with a secret attempt to retake the Zaporizhia nuclear plant. In a dispatch from Ukraine, the Times' Maxim Tucker gives a fascinating insight into Kyiv's great gamble. He writes that with meltdown being an ever-present threat, the stakes behind the attack couldn't have been higher. Now, in the article, we rewind six months very cleverly to the dead of night in October. Now, Russian troops had held the power station for over six months and along the north bank of the Dnipro River, 600 elite troops took their positions. Now, their orders were simple, to launch an assault to recapture the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant from the Russians on the opposite bank. It really is chilling to read how, before the raid, Russian troops had tortured staff responsible for the safe operation of the reactors. And you can read Maxim Tucker's article in today's Times Online for more on what happens to the plant and also the visit by the International Atomic Energy Agency, who visited last week. outside of Ukraine now into China, where French President Emmanuel Macron has wrapped up his state visit, and there is a lot to unpack. Firstly, let's start with the main goal of the visit, which was to reason with China on the war in Ukraine. President Xi Jinping has demonstrated that he is an ally of Vladimir Putin, and China could act as a mediator between Russia and Ukraine. But... President Xi has shown no signs of wanting to step in, despite President Macron's pleas. And we spoke to Ian Williams, who's a former foreign correspondent in Moscow and has written about China. And he told us why President Xi was never going to be the mediator. I think that the notion of China as a peacemaker just doesn't stand up. And Xi, it suits Xi to see the war continue in the way it is, because it ties up Western nations in Europe, draws their attention away from the Asia-Pacific and helps China enormous economically with, with cheap carbohydrates coming out of Russia and asserting themselves as a senior partner in that relationship. So I really see very little movement. If anything, the two appear to be coming closer. Beyond the topic of Ukraine, President Macron's visit will also be a slight worry for Washington. The French president has said he will not follow the US policy of decoupling from China's economy. Along with the usual diplomatic party, President Macron also brought with him over 60 executives from French companies and committed France to a commercial relationship with China. But this closer economic relationship plays into President Xi's hands, as Ian Williams explains. One of the key motives that Xi has is to try and prize Europe away from the United States. And he sees Macron as perhaps the easier of the European leaders to do that, because Macron has always had a more sceptical attitude to the US. When he got to China, he talked about not wanting to see any decoupling from the Chinese economy. Of course, ignoring the fact that 
decoupling wasn't a horrible word, though that is, wasn't invented in, in Washington. It's been Chinese policy for quite a few years now. And to read more on analysis and insight from President Macron's visit, why not take out a subscription to The Times? Well, moving on to sport now, and it was a dramatic day to say the least at the Masters on Friday. Three trees fell near the 17th hole in Augusta. Luckily, no one was injured, but play was suspended for the rest of the day, much to the dismay of many of the fans there and indeed watching across the world. Even before that, the game had drama of its own. Brooks Kepka has stormed back from injuries and is now topping the leaderboard with a score that's joint third lowest in Masters history. And amateur champion Sam Bennett, who has, get this, never had a golf lesson and learned to play on what he called a Texan cow pasture in flip-flops, <laughs> currently sits in third place. But it wasn't a great day for Rory McIlroy, though. It looks like he won't make the cut and will be out of the Masters, leaving him open to criticism for conducting an on-course interview on Thursday. And if you want to hear more about that interview, we did cover it on The World in 10 yesterday. Vincent van Gogh, a groundbreaking impressionist painter from the 19th century, regarded as one of the greatest painters of all time. Now, while all of that still stands, it seems he was also outshone by a 16-year-old. In 1881, the then 28-year-old artist sat down to sketch a woman peeling potatoes, but he wasn't alone. Sitting beside him was Katerina Kam. She too sketched the woman, and her version, which has been recently discovered, has been regarded as more accomplished than the infamous painter. Ron Diren, who is the director-creator at the Vincent van Gogh Museum, recently discovered his, the sketch and more works by Katerina whose family was friends with Vincent van Gogh. To have a look at the two sketches, check out Bruno Waterfield's piece in the Times today and decide for yourself which one is better. And that's all for today, but we have a sneak peek of tomorrow's episode for you, where we'll be joined by a Shakespearean expert who has compared the bard to none other than Taylor Swift. What do you do when you're in a, teenager, a, a teenager in love or a heartbroken teenager? You write poetry. Usually, as a teenager, it's pretty bad poetry. I know mine was at the time. Um, but... Uh, she does have a real gift for, for language and for imagery. Thank you for joining us. And don't forget, if you enjoy the journalism you heard on this podcast, you can take out a digital subscription to The Times of London. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.